0: Hello and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Flavia Munn, editor of Nursing Standard. This episode of the podcast is looking at nurses' experiences of long COVID. So I spoke to two nurses with long COVID Jane Irison, a clinical nurse specialist in Sheffield, and Sally Pilcher, a community associate director of nursing in Cumbria. Both contracted COVID in March 2020 and have had on-off symptoms ever since. They talk about their personal experiences and also how they found support through sharing stories on social media and other networks. Jane has also set up a website, covid19recovery.org, which helps people with long COVID on their recovery journey through the sharing of resources and personal stories. So I started off by asking Jane about how she discovered she had long COVID. Can we then hear from Sally on her experience?
1: Well, I mean, it started obviously with, um, I was very lucky to get diagnosed with COVID in the first place. um, And that was back in March 2020. And then the sort of the long COVID, the, the story for me has kind of evolved. So I don't know whether I've ever been diagnosed with long COVID, but it's just a case that I've not recovered from having COVID. Um, and as, the, as, as we've learned more about long COVID, um, I can attribute some of my symptoms that happened to me to that um, uh, with hindsight as I look back. Um, so for me, I, I you know, I, I got COVID in March 2020. I was you now I had a virus that felt like a respiratory virus um, just as it was breaking. The pandemic was just starting um, and it was, you know, it happened really quickly. I was really quite poorly. Uh, but then I thought I sort of got better um, and was well enough to go back to work and was so keen to get back to nursing you know felt all that camaraderie and there was a real spirit there to help and um, but actually what happened was that I had undulating symptoms um, and I kept relapsing um, but I wasn't expecting that to happen because very much the predominant narrative in the you know with the doctors and with the press at the time was that it was either a two-week illness and you'd get better or, you know, it was ITU and, and, or unfortunately, you know, some people were were dying of it. Um, But that wasn't my experience. You know, I would say that I'm still not fully recovered from having COVID, you know, back in March last year.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I got COVID in March, 2020, um, and it started off as a mild infection, but I think it probably hit me like a ton of bricks at day seven. Mm -hmm. not from necessarily a respiratory point of view. I had a cough and was breathless, but it affected all my joints and my muscles um, and my back. I've got, you know, a, 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 a bad back chronic um, on and off. Um, I mean, I had swine flu in nine, uh, 2009 and that uh, my experience of COVID was, was far worse. Mm. Um, a PCR tested negative on day 12 and that left me... a bit of limbo and feeling a bit guilty really about not being at work and but you know testing negative but later tested positive to antibodies and that helped me psychologically um so I returned to work at about five weeks but I was wearing a TENS machine I was still on a strong cocktail of um uh prescription drugs was in a lot of pain was really fatigued. Um, I got breathless just walking down the corridor. And I struggled to drive too far because it had affected my nerve in my my right leg. It affected my femoral nerve. Um, And right from the beginning, um, I think I had great support from my occupational health nurse, from my GP and from my MSK physio. And they were really ahead of the game. Um, They recognised I was suffering from some sort of post-viral myalgia and fatigue um which they'd seen in other sort of viral infections but of course it didn't have the long covid name back then Mm. um and I sort of got better and then I got worse over the next few months um I kind of really pushed myself thinking I would get back to fitness if I did more and more um but then I'd just crash um so for example I play golf um and I would play around a golf using a buggy um but then I'd suffer for the next week I'd suffer in pain and with, with with fatigue um wasn't sleeping properly as the pain in my femoral nerve kept me awake so I wasn't building up any resilience or reserves I was just really draining myself but I didn't know that at the time Um, my focus was on getting better back to being a mum back to being a wife and back to being an associate director of nursing that was my focus and I was just pushing and driving to do that Um, but it kind of reached a bit of a head in the late summer Um, I was feeling really drained really emotional I had a difficult interaction with my GP. She'd been really supportive, but she was at a loss of what else to suggest. Um, And the uh, research was still very limited at that point, and just the long COVID um, title was starting to emerge from then.
0: Both nurses were fit before they got COVID. They talk about how they manage their condition and are mindful of possible triggers for relapses.
1: You know, I was pretty fit and healthy before, but um, wasn't particularly strategic about that. Um, so now I, I'm i just a bit more careful in terms of looking after myself mentally um, and physically. Um, I find that I, I feel like certain things can trigger um, a relapse. So I'm a bit more careful with that. Um, mm. I'm just really healthy and I just try and have, you know, I look after myself emotionally as well, because I think that's an important part of it
0: yeah yeah because you you were quite a a big runner
1: but before you had longer are are you still running at all or running is something that I find um is just too is a bit hardcore for me now since I've had COVID um Mm. I can run but I tend to only be able to do much smaller distances and if I push it that those distances then now that's what happened in March I think I think I pushed it and then it caused a bit of a relapse but i mean i, I don't know it could have been something else but yeah, the symptoms yeah. feel so similar that it's kind of it's kind of uh you kind of think sure this 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 it just feels so similar but it's strange at the time you don't really believe it because it's just so vague and you sort of think oh is this really happening and then, then you, when you come out of it you're like oh yeah that i think that was so now i say with a degree of confidence that i think that's what it was but at the time it's just it's really hard you know you kind of you kind of you know you don't know you don't know where it's going are you going to feel better it's quite it's really challenging i I think there's something about it there's so many unknowns about it and i mean i do feel better now and i do have much more confidence now that i'm going to be i'm going to be fine and um, but there's been times where i like, you know i had a relapse in september last year and i just felt like i was on this precipice of of where is this going you know am i going to end up you know with sort of you know it's so awful you know the stories of chronic fatigue and me and you know is that what this is and and how do I stop that do I have any control over it do I not is the you know it's a really really terrifying place to be um and I wasn't that badly affected by it
0: Sally also notes the mental health impact both Sally and Jane have found support in many forms through exercise mindfulness and also in sharing their stories and encouraging others to do the same to physical
2: illness but actually the emotional impact of it and what you lose you know you go from being a fit healthy well I, I mean it's always a bit overweight and um you know but I was a fit active mum um mm-hmm. you know I'd go on bike rides with my son I'd walk I'd play golf um and, and it really has a, a, a sort of a real emotional impact mm-hmm. impact on you yeah so I started to look at alternatives really um and that led me to Tai Chi to swimming. Mm. Um, and I started to be much more open about um about what I was experiencing, and then lots of people started to message me around the fact that they were feeling the same. Mm. Um, I think what on one of the swim sites I put that, you know, I'd started while swimming to combat long COVID. Um, and then I got a flurry of messages. I've got uh, long COVID too, tell me how you're feeling, and then I got one saying. I know this sounds awful, but it's really nice to know that somebody else is out there suffering the same things. Mm -hmm. Um, So Tai Chi came um, as a result of my sports and holistic therapy therapist, Kerry. Um, She wasn't offering clinics or any hands on treatment. And she'd been my go to person for my back all my years. Her husband was shielding, so she'd just stopped practicing. But she offered me uh, one to one Tai Chi sessions outside Mm-hmm. And that's where I started um, practicing Tai Chi, um, and understanding the um, you know that the, that ancient um, say ancient martial art, but the 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 effects it can have both
0: physically um, and psychologically are amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm probably but what getting... were those? Sorry to interrupt. What what were those effects that you you noticed through Tai Chi?
2: Um, it just resets the body. It resets the mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were doing it in one of the most beautiful locations in um in in, in, in the country, in, in the Wasdale <laughs> Valley. Um, yeah. that's helped. But it, it resets <laughs> it resets the body, it puts the body in alignment, it resets your mind, it quietens everything down.
1: Um,
2: mm. and it just toned down the um the nerve pain. Um, and it just quietened everything. It's been mm. fantastic. I have a one-to-one lesson every week. And I, I joined a Zoom class with her as well. Um, so that's that's brilliant. And then the wild swimming came about as we were, you know, as like every, fam, every family during lockdown, we were looking for a staycation, looking mm. at what we could do um, locally. So we bought a kayak, um, mm. but I couldn't get in the kayak because the nerve pain oh, um, nice. so aggravated. So I started to swim alongside my son and my nephews. Um and I, I realised quite quickly that I didn't have any pain in the water. So that was that was really, really amazing. I did it nice. twice. And, and then I popped on Facebook, did any of my friends fancy wild swimming? Um, and one of my friends typed back immediately, yes. Um, <laughs> and I said to her when, and she said 15 minutes, I'll see you <laughs> at the valley. And that's it. We've swum three times a week, right through winter, um, nearly a year now in the deepest and probably the coldest lake in um, England. It's, it's amazing that you go in the water and the water just it decompresses your body. You can hang in the water, it takes the nerve pain away. And it, for me, it lasts um, anything from a few hours to a few days. Um, really? Wow, that is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And Zoe, who I swim with, she's um, also a nurse. Um, she has fibromyalgia and That's... it's helped her fibromyalgia so much. Just, yeah. And again, the mindfulness, being out in nature. Um, beautiful scenery and it just it's just um, mindfulness in a tin it's 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 amazing Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah so that was that was Tai Chi whilst swimming um, physical pain psychology Um, and then I I, um, because I was being more open on Twitter Mm. Um, and Facebook, um, one of our specialist uh, respiratory physios who was specialising in long COVID um, contacted me. She gave me an hour of a personal time initially. Mm-hmm. Um, she gave me an article about anaerobic threshold aimed at people with chronic fatigue syndrome, mm-hmm. um, and it was about pacing by numbers and using your heart rate to stay inside your energy envelope. So mm. I've got a anaerobic threshold of 103 beats a minute. So if I exercise lower than that, and which swimming and tai chi allows me to, I can. I don't have the crash afterwards. If I do exercise, I, I mean, for example, if I've gone a a, a walk, um, a sort of low level um, hike, a um, mm. couple of miles, that takes my anaerobic threshold above. Um, it takes me above my anaerobic threshold, and I have to factor in a bit of a crash the following day and
0: the following week. Um, so, so you're very much using that to 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 make sure you don't have the crash, you're 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 monitoring it. Absolutely.
2: I've got yeah. my Fitbit on, I keep an yeah. eye on my um my stats. Mm. Um I've started to play golf again um because I'd stopped that, and that really is a big part of my social life. Um, mm. and it was quite difficult to to stop and realize that actually it was doing more harm than good. But I've started again, I've accepted I need a boogie. Um, But with a buggy um, and being careful, I can play good golf, I can enjoy myself and I can stay below my anaerobic threshold. If I was to try and walk and play, I would would just, that that would be a disaster, I would just crash.
0: Jane talks about the corona coaster of a false sense of recovery and then relapse and the importance of symptoms being validated or recognised. She says the need for validation has come across in the stories people have shared on her website.
1: I think, um, I think in terms of the actual physical symptoms, is that they are, they can be completely life changing and devastating. Um, that they can be undulating. Um, so, and you know, like this sense of a sort of corona coaster, a roller coaster, where you know you can actually have this kind of false sense of recovery and then and then relapse. Um, that's kind of from a physical sense. Um, I think the, the the validation has been a huge part of that. Um, and actually, for a lot of people who weren't able to access testing back in the you know the beginning of the pandemic, I think that's been. I mean, I, I've I've spoken about how difficult it has been for me to kind of understand or to to validate my own experience. And I know that I had COVID. So when I go to the doctors and say, well, I've got this, and I had a COVID test, um. I've already got a degree of validation, but without that, I think um, I think what's come through people's experiences that have been submitted in the website was this real sense of being disbelieved, um, and it, didn't, it doesn't fit into a category. Um, it doesn't fit into an EU. There's no treatment. There's no prognosis. It's not easy to diagnose. Um, so how how important it is for healthcare professionals to really listen to people mm. and to listen to their symptoms. Um, and for people themselves to believe that what is happening to them is real, um, and to have that validated by a healthcare professional is incredibly powerful. When when it's something that is very difficult to to categorise and diagnose, um, and what came through in the stories was that sense when when you didn't get that validation, how damaging that could be on your mental health, um, and how. Um, and that knock-on effect was it was really it was really sad to you know to see that some some of the stories how you can you know you feel like your life's been so drastically changed by this by this illness but not be able to explain it or and neither be able to really talk about it and have that kind of reassurance or understanding um, was really damaging.
0: Sally was referred to a long COVID clinic where she's gained some reassurance amongst other support. I've had a um, referral into the long COVID clinic Uh,
2: so um, and my consultant in there of he had uh, COVID two weeks after me and he's saying that he's seeing a lot of people coming in from the first wave that are starting to make an improvement round about um, now round about the 15 months point Mm -hmm. so um, that's really encouraging because it's Mm -hmm. like it's like running a a long distance ultra marathon without
0: knowing where the finish line is so how should nurses who have long COVID approach it at work? Quite a few nurses with it report feeling guilty about being unwell and the inconsistencies of it.
1: I think as nurses, I think it's really hard. You know, we've got quite a strong culture in nursing, haven't we? You know, we're doing shifts. We're quite strong. We look for other people first. Um, you don't want to be part of a team and you don't want to let anyone down. Um, so I think there's there might be a temptation to just kind of you know to kind of fight through it and just you know tough it out and hope that it's going to get better and i think i think with something like this or any of the sort of post-viral illnesses um that are so difficult to understand and navigate as a patient is that that could come back and bite you really um and so i think that it, as a nurse i think it's important to have those open conversations with your with your colleagues and your you know your your managers just to explain I mean, hopefully you'll have had that positive test. So I think that the degree of understanding within nursing is quite high, actually, because I think so many, just anecdotally, so many of my colleagues have, have had some type of long COVID. So there is that understanding in the workplace. So I think it's important to kind of be honest with your colleagues, um, because if you're going to have ups and downs, it's really hard to manage that. And what you don't want is a sort of self-blame or you know a culture of judgment where it's like well she's shirking she can't be bothered you know we need we need to really sort of not stop that because again i think the mental health impacts of that is devastating um Mm -hmm. to feel like somehow it's your fault that you know that you're not able to you know work a shift or something and you were fine last week but you're not this week so i think as as nurses we just need to be kind to ourselves, we need to listen, um, we need to be honest with our colleagues and our, our managers. And and it's okay. If it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense or it's not, you know, it doesn't fit in a nice neat medical category, um, then we have to be okay with that.
2: I've I've tried to be very open because sometimes the brain fog is 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 horrendous. Sometimes I'm having a really bad day. Um I'm very open with people um mm. if I'm having a bad day, and that really helps. Um Obviously, you know, as part of the um, the the reflection I did, um, I've got my plan on a page. I, I, yeah, I felt really guilty in the in 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 the early stages not being able to fulfill my role as well as I as well as I could. Mm. Um, but I think the again, the time with the persistent pain service taught me that there's no quick fixes. You need to understand yourself, you need to understand the impact that whatever the symptoms of long COVID have left you with, mm. come to terms with it and accept it. But that takes time, but it also takes help. Mm. Um I don't think it's something you can necessarily work out yourself. You need to be able to um have the support to get you in the right headspace to move forward.
0: How how is so how is your experience of of long COVID? influenced you as a, as a nurse leader in terms of the support that you, um, uh, ensure that nurses can have? Yeah, I think, I think it makes you much more
2: compassionate, um, leader having a lived experience, um, has made me realise how difficult it must be for nurses who are on the front line, who are doing 12-hour shifts, who are doing late shifts to early shifts, um, and long numbers, um, you know, we really need a, a really good phased return for people coming back um, from sickness and from long COVID um, and making sure that those work patterns are supportive in the early weeks and months. Um, I think, you know, it's important that there's um, that, uh, adequate rest breaks and um, that fluid and nutrition um, are um, considered. The need to keep, um, you know, a drink by you, um, water, keep hydrated through your shifts. Um, I think there are different ways of working now. Um, So I still struggle in the mornings. Um, I've reduced my driving still, but I'm using a lot more of the virtual platforms. I have a professional conversation with um, my team leads and my um, senior nurses, because um, obviously I'm, I'm a community um, associate director of nursing my teams are all over the north of um, north of Cumbria so we have a professional conversation over teams um, once a week just how are things going what are the pressures how are you all feeling um, and you know it's been really great I'm probably more visible now and more connected um, with the, the, the senior nurse leadership team um, out there, all my DN sisters, my ward managers, um, my uh, specialist nurses um, and the AHPs that I've ever been um, because we all come together virtually um, and we've made use of that. Um, I think we also need to think about um, the environment. I have a standing desk, which mm. means that I don't um, stiffen up. My desk goes up and down. I can change my position when I'm when I'm at my desk. I'm standing now um, here doing this interview. So there's there's lots of things we can do um, to support nurses. And I think, you know, occupational health and, and HR and the senior nurse leadership uh, team, um, we need to wrap our support around to get people back in the workplace because it's not easy for them.
0: And what would Jane and Sally say to someone newly diagnosed or struggling with long COVID? What advice do they have?
1: I just hope that they can sort of reach out whether it's to that they have the support of family or friends or colleagues and and just to try and access that understanding because I just really feel for people who are sort of isolated and 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 struggling with them you know not not feeling believed um, and not feeling understood so and whether that be online I think you know just the way that the website is really has really slotted into a kind of it's almost like a sort of grassroots community where people have struggled even with their very loving caring family and friends who just don't understand why they're not well and um, have found real sort of companionship and reassurance through online support um that's just kind of seeded up from from the ground um and it certainly gave me a lot of reassurance to read other people's experiences and know that i wasn't alone and um, so wherever you might find that um, I, I'm, it's, it's definitely available online, um, and or, or whether you know, I found you know through my nursing colleagues, I've had incredible support from from them. And so, anyone going through long COVID, I was them to be just be honest and and be open and, and try and find that support wherever you can because it's it's a long road, isn't it? It's it's really hard.
2: I think it, that it takes time um, mm. to recover. Um, it's not a quick fix. It'll probably leave them with some physical um, symptoms, but also some emotional and psychological um, experiences that they need to adjust to the 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 um, the present um, and how they're feeling. Um, I think my biggest um, my biggest piece of advice from what I've learned, what I've reflected on, is that whilst you know, there's hundreds of different symptoms, isn't there? There's a whole um, multitude of experiences, but you've got to take a mix of, you know, your your, your pharmaceutical solutions, your um, therapy solutions, but also the alternatives as well, and really um, find out where your thresholds are. Um, keep an activity diary. Know um, what triggers um, certain symptoms. I mean, I have a plan on a page that I keep going back to. I've got a book um with all my reflections and my um my uh, sort of information um mm-hmm. all the articles I've read. Um I mean it's 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 all about you know your breath, breathing. Who knew it was so hard to breathe right, but you've got to breathe right. Your heart rate and your energy envelope, learn to pace, mm-hmm. L- understand your sleep and how that impacts on your day and take measures to actually get a good night's sleep using a mindfulness um sort of uh, program or, or podcast or you know um i use my fitbit they have programs on there to help me get a better night's sleep um take time to relax and actually switch off because that that's really important understand what you can do to quieten everything down and um and just really get some some recharge of the batteries um yeah and just just reflections are great a great uh tool. Um, mm. we use it in our professional life. Lucy, my um my my clinician, asked me to seek out the views of my um my colleagues, my friends, my family, um, and ask them for some feedback about how I was doing on my long COVID journey. I had three weeks to do that, um, and I left it till the last 24 hours. <laughs> I was scared. Um, but they gave me some great feedback, some really positive things that I haven't noticed in myself, but also some really constructive feedback um and I've got that, and I refer to that um
0: you what, know when, what kind of things did they
2: say? well, just you know, not to be so hard on myself, um mm. not to be too competitive to give myself time to rest, that I was inspirational mm. um that I, I you know I was you know and and also there was one that um was around, you know, you're being really open on social media. That's really, um, really, really good. But also f- feel free not to be if you're having a bad day. Um, mm. Think about that. Um, lots of feedback about being open and transparent that was that was really good. I asked Matthew um, what he thought. And Matthew's my 15-year-old son. And he mm. just says, well, you're a bit more outgoing and driven, Mum, but you're just Mum.
0: So I thought... <laughs> Well, that's yeah. an endorsement, you know,
2: from some. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some. Yeah, it's just there's a, there's a lot of personal stuff, and um, yeah, yeah. But um, it 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 was really positive. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I I do think that that you're inspirational. So whoever said that was. <laughs> on it I do think because I think you know the importance of um you know sharing um stories as well is is you know such a support to anyone you know who's who's going through it or anyone you know who who wants to understand it which you know I I think we all do really so And, and, and I think that's the most positive thing thing Flavia I think
2: um when I get a message to say that somebody's read my post and that it's helped them, or have I got any tips? And I send them some material through, and you know I'm now getting lots of people sending me stuff through as well. Um, I think that's 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 really what my drive is now um, is is to help and support others. And as nurses, I think um, and the NHS, we need to really understand the impact that it's having on our own um, our own peers and our colleagues, and do what we can um to um support them because it's all different um you know i probably had much milder symptoms than um than others but it's still been a tough um a tough gig it's still been a tough journey and i'm not there yet um but i think we just need to um you know do what we do best and be really compassionate leaders and support uh, leaders and supportive of our, um, our most important and precious asset in the NHS, and that's our staff.
0: Indeed, a huge thank you to both Sally and Jane for sharing their stories. I know they hope they will help others in similar situations, as do I. So for a list of helpful resources about Long Covid, check out the show notes to this episode, and you can also find them at rcni.com forward slash podcast. And of course, the website Jane set up, which is covid19-recovery.org. And thank you very much for listening.